0: Drown in the play action fake. Steps up, launches down, field, Alave has arrived, and Ohio State takes the lead. Here comes the Fletches. Gonna be down for the third time. The ball is loose. Running the other direction is Victor Cage. It's a scoop and score for the Buckeyes. Anderson takes off. And the freshman gets the Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. My name is Nick. This is the Buckeye Sports Blitz on the eve of Halloween. Ohio State defeats Penn State 33 to 24. Ohio State gets the win in a tough, tough Big Ten East matchup. Give Penn State a lot of credit, man. Those guys came out fired up. They came ready to play. And maybe I didn't give them enough credit. I had Ohio State winning 49-14. And Ohio State's offense couldn't find really any rhythm all game. They went 1-6 in the red zone. Look, at the end of the day, this is a big win. This is a big win against a tough team, a top-20 team, against a team that looks at us as their rival, prime time, you know, under the lights, in the shoe. I'll take it. I'll take it every day of the week. The older I've gotten, I've come to have more appreciation for wins and never going to take them for granted. And we'll get to the game here in a second. But overall, I do. I think this was a great team win in today's college football when teams every week, it seems like, are dropping out of the top 10 and teams are losing to teams they have no business losing to. And I understand style points. But the reality is these types of games are going to happen. Ohio State got punched in the mouth, and they responded how you would expect a top five team would respond. I think a win like this for a very young team will be really beneficial later in the year, like maybe in the big house against Michigan, where literally the season could be on the line where you have one play, you got one shot, and your season's on the line. Games like this, I think, help prepare for the upcoming moments Ohio State is probably going to have to deal with. And here's C.J. after the game. He was answering a sequence of questions from Jared Smalley from NBC4. Back row, Jared Smalley. C.J., back here. Um, obviously, first half, a real struggle. And really, for, the, for most of the evening, a real struggle to run the ball to establish that part of the game. Can you walk us through those discussions as you're on the sideline, running through those frustrations and how you're trying
1: to overcome that part? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, like a couple weeks ago, I mean, I feel like we're the best offense in the country no matter – What's going on? I mean, and we just kept fighting. I mean, that's all about football. is not a perfect sport. You're not going to run the ball very well every, every game. not going to throw the ball well every game. It's just about fighting. You know and I mean? That, that's what we did. Tonight. And I'm so proud of my team to just keep going. I'm so proud of my old line of just keeping the hands inside because they were calling some of our plays out. It was kind of crazy. But um, it's just a blessing just to be able to play with these type of guys. I mean, because a lot of dudes would have just tucked their tail and, and ran in the locker room, but we, we kept fighting.
0: Example of the, the are you talking
1: about maybe the screens you threw that they seem to pick up pretty quick? Uh, no, I just feel like Penn State has an awesome defense. I mean, uh, I mean from, from left to right, and they're great players. The corners do a great job. The safeties, number one, he's a great player. He's very smart, very intelligent. Uh, and, I mean, they're just making plays, too. I mean, that, that's the game of football. It's going to be back and forth sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't the outcome I was expecting or any of us would want, but it was a tough, hard fought win against the top 20 team I'm never ever going to take that for granted great win for the Buckeyes I think CJ Stroud let me look at let me bring my papers up he was 22 for 34 305 yards one touchdown um, and again most importantly in, in my opinion the most important stat is once again zero interceptions Travion Henderson had 28 touches for 152 yards, one touchdown. Garrett Wilson, seven receptions, 82 yards. Jackson Smith in Jigba, like we talked last episode, seems like that dude's always at 100 yards. Seems like every game now, again, six receptions, 97 yards. Jeremy Ruckert had three receptions for 57 yards. And Chris Olave had three receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. Zero sacks given up by the O-line. That's a great sign only one turnover by the offense on a play that I'm going to give Jeremy Rucker to pass. That wasn't a careless play. I think that was him trying to just make a play extra effort, trying to get the first down. There happened to be three defenders there uh, to just him and give Penn State's defenders credit for stripping the ball away. Now maybe you could argue forward progress, Head stopped. I don't know. It was right on the line, but either way, I'm gonna give Ruck a pass on that, and also just give de- uh, their defense credit for making that play. But one turnover, uh, they won the turnover battle. Penn State had three turnovers. Obviously, the two fumbles. The one, the one where uh, Big Jeron Cage took it to the house, and, and then uh, Cam Brown had an interception later in the game. And uh, kicker Noah Ruggles was four for four on his field goals. I know it's not really a a sexy stat, but had he gone one for four, everybody everybody'd be bitching about it. So I'm going to give some love for the kicker. Great job, Noah Ruggles. Four for four on the night. And really, you could argue he, he maybe could have even been utilized a little bit more. Ohio State total, 466 total yards. 173 of those yards were on the ground. 305 yards in the air. All right. So let me kind of get to the bad, at least kind of what – Not just myself, but I'm sure all you saw it too. Ohio State got a gift from Penn State on their first offensive play of the game. You get the ball at midfield, and then CJ just missed a wide open Jackson Smith and Jigba on the very next play. I mean, that was a tough throw. It looks tougher than it looked on TV, I would say, Uh, but he still has to make that pass. I will give him credit for putting it only in the spot that his guy can make the play and not throwing a pick. However, still got to make that pass when the guy's wide open like that. Ohio State's run game, they were not dominant at all, which is part to blame, I think, why they went one for six in the red zone. And also just give Penn State's defense a lot of credit in the red zone. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and uh, Henderson all had pre-snap penalties which kind of leads towards my theory of only Ohio State can stop Ohio State. That's, you can't have all those guys doing that. That's got to get cleaned up. It really kind of did get sloppy at times. Uh, it really, in, in the first half, Ohio State was taking what Penn State was giving them. Ryan Day really wasn't necessarily being aggressive in the first half other than on fourth down. Center Luke Whippler had the two snap infractions. Uh, too many false starts. On third and short, it's, they're not very creative, and it's very predictable. And, again, maybe that's partly to blame for the red zone woes. Uh, you heard CJ. They were calling out plays. I'd be willing to bet some of those plays the Penn State defense was calling out was on third down. Uh, there's definitely some things to work on, but still, the offense managed 466 yards of total offense. They limited the turnovers really with their C or B game which I think is a positive sign. So now moving on to the defense. The defense gave up 394 yards, 361 in the air, 62 yards on the ground. The rush defense was solid, but Penn State, as we all know, they can't run the ball. They had four sacks, obviously the big scoop and score by the big man, Jeron Cage, defensive tackle. We did see some of the chunk plays through the air. It seems like a lot of which come when the defense blitzes. Look, I think the defense, if they're going to be a blitz-happy team and blitz all the time, I think they have to get better at disguising their blitz. Sean Clifford did a great job with the pre-snap adjustments and identifying the blitz. When Ohio State's going to bring extra pressure, It takes away from somebody else in coverage, whether that's a linebacker, safety, or a corner on a blitz. It creates gaps in the zone coverages, right? And Penn State, Sean Clifford, Jahan Dotson, they did an outstanding job finding those areas in the zone coverages, and they were hitting on them. Um, The the defensive line, most importantly, the defensive ends, they need to start getting home on the non-blitzing plays more. And it's not an interior line problem. Those guys are fine. I specifically kind of key on guys like Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison. They have shown flashes, but they need to be more than just show flash, right? When you look at the recent defensive tackles Ohio State has had here, within, I I don't know, what, going back the last eight years or so, you got the Bosa's, Chase Young, Jalen Holmes, Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, all in the NFL, by the way. What made those guys so special at Ohio State and all get drafted within the top three rounds is they brought it on every single down. They didn't just show flashes. They showed dominance, determination. Their motor didn't stop. And I don't see that with our current ends, and specifically Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison. Those guys do have ability, and they've shown flashes again, like I've said. But they're just not consistent enough. And they're going to have to be better if Ohio State's going to make a run here. Man, I, I tell you one guy I'm really impressed with. I think it has been established. Steel Chambers is the best linebacker on this team. The targeting thing really does suck, but it, it is what it is in today's football. I just think we just got to accept it, what it is. It sucks. It really does. I mean, really, the officials, the broadcast crew, the rules experts, and like almost 90% of college football fans do not know what targeting is. Every year there seems to be some new criteria on what targeting is. But then all it does is contradicts last year's criteria on the targeting rule. And I think it's just done nothing but create confusion. Uh, I, I know, and I don't, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this because too many people do. It, it's a rule that needs to be looked at. It's a rule that needs to be changed. And like at the new overtime rule, I think this was a – a result of non football people making football decisions. And when that happens, it could significantly impact the game or in the middle of a game. Like when you have a guy that gets ejected on a non malicious hit, just kind of happened to, it, it looked worse than what it was. And I don't fault him. I don't fault steel chambers. I probably would have done the same thing. However, unfortunately the rule is the rule and it's targeting. Before the targeting call, Steel Chambers, he was playing outstanding football. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, he led the team with 14 total tackles. The defense did have three takeaways. That's always a good thing. Um, I believe I mentioned it earlier. Cam Brown had, had an interception. Look, by all means, not perfect. Didn't see too many broken tackles. Um, sure, there's a lot of things to work on. I just think this is the identity of this defense now. They give up some plays, but they also make some plays. They come up with turnovers. They're great against bad offenses, but not great against even slightly above average offenses. And I don't really want to overlook this win, but, y- you know, there's still a lot of good, a lot of bad. But at the end of the day, this is, I, I think this was a good team win. Next game against Nebraska. That one I find very, very interesting. Nebraska is 3-6 and six on the year. They do not have a good record, but they can move the ball. They are fourth in the Big Ten in scoring, scoring just under 30 points a game. I believe they're like 29.9 points a game. And uh, Nebraska is second in the Big Ten behind only Ohio State in yards per game at four seventy. I actually thought Nebraska would be the toughest test for the defense since the defensive coordinator switch. I, I don't know if I'm believing the hype that how good or how deep the Big Ten is, but I will say at least every team has some sort of something that they're good at, even the bad teams or the bottom of the, the Big Ten teams. Nebraska does have, an, have a really good offense. I did say a few weeks ago, or maybe longer, that nobody left on the schedule worries me, and I still feel that way. But it will not be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I just, when I, when I look at it from here on out, Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan State, they, they all have offenses. And Michigan State has a legit Heisman contender at running back and Kenneth Walker Jr. That team up north, that game is its own entity on its own. Even blowout wins in that game do not come easy. There isn't one team I look at left on the schedule and think, wow, that's a complete football team. They scare me. Look, there are some teams left that will test our defense for sure. It's going to be exciting, though. This is going to be a fun stretch coming up. That's it for today. Thank you for listening, however you are listening. I really do appreciate the fans and however you're listening. And uh, shout out to all the iHeartRadio listeners. It's been a big boost, a big spike in all the I Radio listeners. So appreciate to uh, all the listeners out there. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Be safe, Buckeye Nation. Go Bucks. I
1: hate Michigan. I hate Michigan. I hate Michigan. Fuck the Wolverines. I hate Michigan. I hate Michigan. I hate Michigan. Fuck the Wolverines.